0: Welcome to The Glow Show from GrowLab Organics, hosted by Charlie Lyons.
1: Well, hello everybody. How's it all going? I trust everyone is keeping safe, keeping well, looking out for each other. Welcome to another week of The Glow Show. I hope you're all ready to lock yourselves in as we head off for another journey into the power of cannabis. This week, we're kicking around the themes of education and content, stuff like that. You know, there's so much to learn in the cannabis space. One of Glow's values is uh, never stop learning. We're always trying to improve our knowledge of the plant, of our patients, of efficacy, of the conditions that the plant can be used for, and all of the ancillary capabilities that sit around it. Um, There's so many places these days to get amazing information about the plant from. There's a whole host of podcasts, webinars, blogs. There's more content on social than you can shake a stick at. There didn't used to be as much uh, influential uh, voices or or podcasters in UK and Europe, but that's just changing all the time. You know, you've got fantastic shows from Simpa Carter and Mary Biles and Carly Barton with the CanCast. You know, it's growing all the time and that's really exciting. Uh, obviously, we are a fledgling uh, offering into that suite with the Glow Show and hopefully you're all enjoying the ride so far. There's some fantastic platforms out there for more comprehensive learning, things like Sativa Learning and Greenflower. There's the pretty sophisticated Gangia training program, which I know some of you are taking, and that even involves the in-person assessments out in California. We've even seen some nice, fun little things popping up from really cool brands like 710 Labs over in the States. They did something recently on their education platform via Instagram, which was really sweet. Um, and then you've obviously got the big stuff like Leafly, which is just, you know, amazing for a repository of information on all manner of things. Uh, and, you know, don't get me started on going down YouTube rabbit holes. And, you know, for the more kind of medical side of things over in the British Isles, you've got Leon Barron's PCCN does some fantastic webinars and Mike Barnes and the MCCS. You know, the list is pretty endless at the moment. There's a whole language of cannabis Uh, which is a theme that is really close to our hearts at GLOW and something which we'll continue to explore as we go deeper in our journey week by week. But this leads us nicely into our our guest for the week. Uh, It's none other than Mr. Anuj Desai. And he's been the host of The Cannabis Conversation, which is his superb show since about 2018. And he does such a great job of, you know, keeping us all up to date with what's going on on the on more of the business side of cannabis from a European perspective. You know, he took a really brave leap to start that a number of years back when things were a lot more formative earlier. Um, you know, and we'll get into some of that when we talk to him, but there's going to be a lot of ground to cover with Anuj. So let's not waste any more time and let's get stuck in. Welcome to the Glow Show, Anuj. Uh, if you could just kick things off with a few of your proudest moments in your cannabis journey so far.
0: Thank you, uh, Charlie. Good to, good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, it's a bit weird to be on this side of the mic, let's say. What was the question again? A bit about me. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a lawyer by trade, uh, mainly in the film and TV space, actually. It was most of my career. But that all got a bit too corporate for me. Um, and I wanted to do something a bit more entrepreneurial a few years ago. So I quit the day job. Maybe not the best thing when I had two young kids at home, but I needed to kind of shake things up a bit uh, and and went in search of that entrepreneurial dream and um, kissed several frogs but along the way, I, I bumped into an old mate who was uh, quite active in the cannabis space, and I'd obviously known cannabis from you know misspent youth type experiences um and I didn't realize that um, there was a whole kind of actual industry coming along and and I hadn't really realized any of the medical side of things either and so he took me along to a couple of conferences and it really opened my eyes actually and you know to see there were there were some politicians there there were a lot of investors but actually the really kind of the most sort of thought-provoking talks that I went to were from the patients to see and it was a wide range of patients there was a great talk a young woman who had epilepsy there was an there was an old guy who just been who just sadly lost his wife but he'd been treating her with cannabis um and then there was a, a woman that had chronic pain. There was a really diverse group of patients who were talking quite passionately about how this has helped them. And that kind of inspired me because I, th- I thought, actually, this is an industry that's sort of about to happen and it can do a lot of good for the world. So I started to look a bit more heavily at it, made a few small early-stage investments myself, then decided to, to start the podcast, The, the Cannabis Conversation, because I, no one at the time was, I mean, this was what, oh beginning of 2018 maybe or oh, 2019 i can't remember now it was a while ago um
1: the world was no a simpler one... place than an issue.
0: <laughs> well yeah exactly no one was really doing anything in europe around this um there were a, a few north american podcasts but i thought it was good good way to kind of meet people and expand my
1: knowledge so uh
0: yeah that's how i got into the, the cannabis space
1: i described you actually in the outro of last week's show uh with adam Bierman as the, the peak tongue of, of cannabis, because I think your, your voice your voice is now uh, synonymous with, you know, cannabis in Europe. When I hear those first few bars of the cannabis conversations <laughs> jingle, and then it's like, hi, I'm Anuj Desai. It's, uh, it's quite comforting, which is really cool. And tell me, you started to talk about it then. I think it took some real guts, right? To first of all, leave a profession which had provided, you know, economic security for you and your family. To just sort of denouncing it and going all in on the podcast, and let's be honest, like we still aren't really in a position where there's a huge industry in Britain we We talk about it. There's a really sophisticated legacy uh, industry which we you know have a real duty to kind of pay more credit to because a lot of people are just sort of chucking money in and thinking, well, we're starting from here, we're not. We're standing on the shoulders of lots of people that have you know um, been at risk for for decades now. What, what was it like kind of kicking off? How did you feel at the start? I'm sure it wasn't all plain sailing.
0: Well, look, I'm still a lawyer, so I haven't really turned my back on that necessarily. But it was, yeah, look, it's quite a challenge leaving a full-time role. And, and I've come to realise it, it takes quite a long time to get your head around moving from that security of a monthly paycheck to sort of freelance, you know, feast or famine type existence. But actually probably more than that. And it's a question I always ask, yes, on my show is around stigma. You know, this it wasn't like I was just moving into, I don't know, renewable energy or something. I was moving yeah. into a very controversial area. And, you know, I'm I'm Indian by background and my parents are, are you know, are not the most strictest, but they're typically Indian and and so obviously we're like, what the hell are you doing?
1: I've got to take this opportunity to do your question to you then which is what yours always ask guests at the end of your show is what did your parents think Anuj when you told them that you were going into cannabis
0: so um so I told them and they uh, they sort of said look don't make any decisions until you've kind of until we've talked about it and I said I said I'm 40 years old I'm not asking for permission here I'm telling you what I'm doing <laughs> and don't worry I have thought about it so um and then it's just been studiously ignored ever since. <laughs> so, <laughs> swept under the rug. Yeah, we have this kind of funny situation where we just don't talk about what I do, which actually works very well because it avoids these awkward conversations. But yeah, no, to, 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 to go back, yeah. Look, it, it was a risk. And you know, I can't say it's really paid off massively because of where the industry is, but you know, in in it's given me a lot in a number of different ways, and actually it broadened my horizons and you know my perspectives on what i'm capable of and what um what the opportunities out there are for me mm. so it's been great in that way it's, it's it, i mean i'm alongside this i've gone through quite a personal development journey too and it's a lot about how we define success obviously most people define that as money and you know i i actually quite disagree with that and i'm starting to kind of recalibrate all of those things you know had a great opportunity to spend much more time with my kids. I'm not sure if
1: they think it's great, but (laughs) I do Mm -hmm, certainly. They will. Uh, It's true, isn't it? A A lot of people in this time have gone through these kind of transformations where they're either changing careers or shedding layers of whatever went on before in preparation for what's happening now and next. It's quite inspirational seeing a lot of the life pivots and transformations that people are making in business, personal life or whatever. Um, so I think that's definitely been a, a zeitgeist, which lots of people are feeling and capitalizing on at the moment. Uh, I know you said you started the show in, in 2018, in that period, like when we kind of got locked down, did you, did it feel lonely? Was it kind of a bit weird in that moment? Like, you know, wow, the world's changing so much. And I'm kind of here having shifted my career into this space and, it probably felt very early. Like what was the sort of sentiment like that? And how, how did you kind of manage your own sort of feelings in that period?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard for everyone, wasn't it? I had two kids at home doing a very poor, um, I was doing a very poor job of homeschooling them as well as sort of worrying about money and work. And, you know, one of the things of being freelance is that when those things sort of fall through the floor, I didn't have any furlough help either. So it was all very hairy on that level but i guess one of the things that the podcast gave me was you know i was speaking to people all around the world actually yeah. and I, I kind of re-listened to a few of the shows i did around that time and it, it was it was quite a different vibe because it was also just random like right? this mm. whole idea of being not allowed to leave your home really i mean mm. in london it, you know we were still able to do stuff mm. um go to the park and things but you know essentially you're freedoms are curtailed and that's nothing that we've ever been through right so it was quite interesting to at least i had a couple of hours a week when i was doing interviews Mm. where i was speaking to people in australia or israel or america or canada and hearing about their experiences so that kind of gave me some great context of how this was affecting everyone
1: yeah for sure that i mean that's one thing i always think about uh, the cannabis conversation is you get that brilliant you started off very much european focus but these days it's it's truly a global kind of footprint of what's happening in in the cannabis space did you find that maybe because everyone was locked down in that early phase of the of the show like maybe it was almost people were more willing to come on because they were like well i'm stuck at home anyway so i'm happy to chat did you notice that or were you just like people were happy to chat anyway
0: I think because this industry is early, uh, that one of the benefits I've had is in, in doing this has been that everyone's looking for a platform and everyone is very open to speak. There's a couple of people I'd like to get that I haven't ab- been able to, but they're more of the sort of celebrity kind of got to get through their agents first. But industry people they want to chat there aren't enough platforms to do this on Mm. um they want to talk about what they're doing and so that's been really easy
1: for me and and great actually because obviously that was one of my worries to begin with did it go from in the early phases i guess you were probably canvassing for guests and i i guess that's probably there must have been a tipping point where now you're probably just inundated with a request to come on the show is that is that something that's happened or has it been you're continually still working or talk me through that
0: I'm in a fortunate position now where I've got it's 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 many people coming to me, and I'm opportunistic about if I see someone that looks interesting, I'll just reach out to them. But yeah, to begin with, I mean, what I was quite lucky because because you know the friend that I mentioned introduced me to a few other people. I started going to First Wednesdays, which is a kind of great little networking event in London that that started a few years ago. So I met a few faces around there, and from there it was just it wasn't that difficult actually because you know i lined up, i lined up the topics and then i asked people who were the best people to fill those things and you know, pretty much got everyone that that i wanted and then from there they all introduced me
1: to a couple of people each and then you know the network effect takes yeah. place so yeah yeah we've we've spoken about this a bit before about the rise of podcasting and podcast stars and you've got everyone from william morris to apple looking for the next round of uh, hosts of shows of um series you know and that is a truly global effort you know uh, people are looking in you know all markets from europe to africa and beyond did you listen to it? were you a big podcast fan were you listening to lots of people did you have a specific set of uh inspiration from there
0: <laughs> for shame not really actually well so i, I listened to Adam Buxton's podcast uh, I was always a massive Adam and Joe fan back mm. in the 90s so I really like Adam and I used to listen to them when they did it together and then Adam kind of carried on on his own and I just really liked his gentle comedic style so I I listened to him for kind of recreation and then I also listened to Canner Insider which I think is still going which is a US kind of business podcast about cannabis and and he you know he was great. He kind of it's a similar model to me, really. In in um, he interviewed people from around the industry, doing different little bits, and sort of you know got them to sort of speak about what areas they were focusing on, whether it was terpenes or whether it was extraction or whether it was mm-hmm. I don't know investment. And that was a good kind of model that I thought actually this could be good for European voices as well.
1: I I, I always am interested by this because people consume podcasts in different ways. Do you ever? particular time in which you listen to them? Obviously, if you listen to a lot of these uh, high performing individuals, they're like, I I put my podcast on when I'm running or I'm doing the dishes or I'm, I don't know if they actually do the dishes, but you know, these kind of like (laughs) mechanical tasks, do you squeeze it in in a specific way or just settle, settle down and zone out? So, I'm
0: probably one of those sort of not, I mean, I'm definitely not high performance, but uh,
1: <laughs> I, you know,
0: it's the gym, I think, was probably the one that I did. And I, I've always, uh, over the last few years, I got into walking a lot. And it's funny you should say that around the high performance thing, because I was at a stage where I was trying to cram in productivity at every bit. And that would involve podcasts and audiobooks whenever I could. And then I actually kind of have, have sort of backlashed against that a bit and, and really realized that just some downtime without information yeah. being crammed into your head is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I love walking without it. Often I have it with music, which is absolutely my savior. But, mm. um, but in terms of going back to the podcasting, I think one of the great things about podcasts is that is the passive nature of it. Because I, I, I don't commute because I freelance and mainly work from home. I don't have this. but commuting Mm. would and was a time where I would do where I listened to podcasts
1: let's talk a little bit about some of the subject material that you you go into on the show and some of the guests and all the rest of it You, you started off trying to select topics and then find the guests to fill them and you've probably now more moved to like the guests come forward and present the topics what was your kind of filter or lens for cannabis content selection to start with
0: I mean, the first 10 episodes, I really wanted to do a kind of 101 on it. What, what is cannabis? What is what is medical cannabis? Uh, what is CBD? What is hemp? Um, what's the law around this? Mm. You know, I think those ones were relatively easy to kind of plan because uh, I wanted that to be a good overview. And actually, you know, the, originally the, what I wanted to do is I wanted to teach the whole world about cannabis mm. and what it, quickly became apparent was that actually I quite like the industry focus so you know like this isn't going to be a a kind of mass market podcast the one that I'm doing it's more focused for people who are working in this space or investing or interested in that side of things and I quite like that I like that kind of focus I, I done I did a few kind of more celebrity type interviews, which I thought would be great for social media, kind mm. of sharing and liking and all that stuff. And candidly, some of the subjects didn't know a huge amount about the topic. And, yeah. and so it, for me, it was a bit unfulfilling interviewing people that really didn't know anything about cannabis. So it, that's what changed my focus to actually yeah. let's just talk to, to industry people.
1: So just on that then, you probably are, I, I guess there would have been a point where, after those 10 shows first 20 first 50 you probably started to have enough data on what makes a good show and what your audience was starting to look for like what, what were people gravitating more towards you know what I probably do
0: I'm not a data guy um, <laughs> and I should, I should probably analyze it a bit more what gets most views are I think the leading scientists yeah I mean, you know, this space is a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And there's a lot of hype as well, people talking up things. And what I love about the scientists is, it on a, on a few levels are, they are genuinely excited about this area, because it's like something that hasn't been studied before. And there's a kind of challenge to overcome, basically, the incorrect views that were previously held about it. Mm. And so they're, you see the motivation in, in in what they're saying, but there's also a brilliant balance to it because they are very open about like what we don't know and and actually you know here's the state of what we do understand and, and this mm-hmm. hasn't been proved yet and and it, and, it, and it kind of really it, it balances it out because what I see a lot of is is hype and so I'm quite keen to sort of. I want it, obviously, clearly a massive supporter of the industry, but I want
1: it to be built on some solid foundations rather than bullshit, ultimately. How, how do you deal with that? Because I, I think that a lot, and you can see all kinds, that happening in lots of industries that are coming through at the moment, if you think specifically about NFTs and Metaverse and Web3, super exciting, amazing technology, but 99% of stuff, those projects that are running at the moment are, are bullshit right or or will probably play out and if you listen to any of the leading forces in that space gary v or whatever they'll say the same thing how how do you try to cut through an edge in in this kind of space because there is so many people like talking stuff up or you know hyping things do you have to screen that when you're finding your guests or do you do you try and challenge it when you're actually because it could i guess it can also happen in an interview right when you're speaking to someone on the show it could be going down something where you're like this is not That you know, relevant or interesting, or it's yeah. Well,
0: look, I don't want to be Jeremy Paxman or like you know, really combative in my approach. So I kind of gently steer it. But I think fundamentally, in the world, we have a we have real problems with the truth at the moment. You know, Mm. our world leaders are all full of shit, and you know, media is very skewed. And I look at a lot of these IPOs and public markets is is founded on that pumping this news. You look at Canada. Look at all the cannabis companies there. It's just astounding. You know, No solid foundations or fundamentals yeah. from a business perspective. Just nonsense. Here's how big a facility I can build. And, I, and so I see, I see this lack of truth in the world, and mm-hmm. it annoys me. And with NFTs, you know, look, I'm not an expert because I've stayed away from it, but it seems to me that there's, it's kind of the essence of a lot of what's going on in the world where people basically think they can get rich without really having to do much and the and and everyone's kind of acknowledging that these things these are largely bullshit, mm-hmm. but because there's an interest in them, everyone's like quite happy to sort of ignore that and and kind of co opt it in whatever way, which adds to my cynicism and my kind of yeah. old man perspective on it so how do I combat that i don't you know i I want to offer some balance it, It's funny because I've just recorded a panel about psychedelics and and psychedelics is a super interesting one because <laughs> A lot of people in cannabis are also very interested in that space and, you know, a lot of similar investors in, in all this. And 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 that looks like it's also suffering from, you know, I, I think cannabis, lots of people think cannabis could cure everything. It can't. And psychedelics, similarly, uh, you know, everyone thinks everyone's going to be taking psychedelics and it's going to sort their mind out. And, th- and then it's not, right? Mm. You know, these, these are very powerful things. And, it, and all of this is much more nuanced than the hype merchants want it want them to be mm. that's the bit that I want to tease out I want to I want to promote the positives but also acknowledge the limitations
1: you know when you get like the daily mail writing about ketamine and mdma being the solution to the mental health bill the world have got you know there's a lot of bullshit out there right so yeah, yeah I think finding the truth is is important and again I think that is where shows like the cannabis conversation obviously help present that balanced view where for people that want to understand more and learn in, in a way which is based on facts they can pick right. out what they need from that so no, I, th- I think again and i think what the show does it plays a really important role at the moment in finding that truth because like you say there is a lot of stuff out there which is which is nonsense when you when you're looking in the in the different media outlets what do you we talked a little bit about the frustrations and you know we we obviously feel this as well i think a lot of people in the uk britain uh, europe maybe more broadly feel, feel the pain as well of the speed of which things are happening. Should we just talk a little bit about that? Maybe from, a, from you, know, you've got this very broad view of speaking to people in lots of different markets. You know, we often say Australia is quite a good place for the UK to be looking at the moment because we've got a very similar medical setup, healthcare setup, and they're a couple of years ahead of us and seem to be kind of booming quite well. What do you think are some of the problems with the UK at the moment in terms of a proper cannabis industry, where there, are, there is genuine job creation and people can you know actually have a, a genuine career. Give a view on, on why, th- why things are so slow at the moment.
0: Well, I mean, if we're talking about from a cannabis perspective, it's medical, right? I think we can kind of park recreational. I think our yeah. government is definitely on the small and big C conservative side of things. So they are not going to be a forerunner in that by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Five years, ten years for elderly, recreational, for adult use. Yeah, no. Ten. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? Like tomorrow, they could go, yeah, we're all good, and then, or it could be no. It's I mean, that, this side. is the only
0: thing that, I, as I always say, you know, the, this, the, this Tory government have, you know, they, they, they don't mind completely U-turning and <laughs> pretending that they didn't say something True. in a heartbeat. So, you know, if Germany legalized it properly and it was working. I'm pretty sure they would change their tune and find a way to to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, their lack of consistency is probably uh, maybe a good thing in this space. Do you, but just, do you think Germany
1: will go this year or next?
0: Uh, so I did a, I did a panel on this before Christmas and, that, and everyone there sort of said two to four years and I I tend to agree. Germany are now uh, have a big energy crisis with this war going on um i cannot see cannabis being a remote priority when when matched up against that and post-covid and the reason i also say that is that these things it's essential that germany gets it right and and then they're going to get it they're not going to get it perfectly right but they need to really think about the regulations around this because all of the naysayers will jump on any negatives that come out of this if you're you know, if it's not planned properly and, and kids start getting it or whatever it is, you know, everyone's going to be on it. So they need to get it right for the rest of Europe. In it's order one of those things of- as
1: well, isn't it, where anything that goes wrong, as you say, and, and things will because it's frontier stuff. It's just like the weight of the world will come crashing down to just basically, oh, we told you so and blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah. So what I would imagine is they'll roll it out very restrictively and kind of, you know, piecemeal mm. to make sure that they don't, you know, to make as few as make mistakes as possible. When we're talking about the UK, back to the UK, yeah. um, if you focus on medical, I think, again, I think our medical uh, sort of establishment are perhaps a little bit more conservative than others. And probably for good reason, you know, it's probably one of the most well-respected sort of systems. In terms of you know uh, research and and excellence in that space, we need to convince them, and they aren't convinced. And I think that means more R and D and data and research done in the UK. You know, I I don't really understand the ins and outs of why they don't really you know accept research from other countries, but it is what it is. I think we need more research here, and what I see is, and not just here, but all over the world i speak to frequently speak to people who are uh, still just focused on production mm. who, who are just sort of telling me about how much cannabis they can produce i mean that's just the wrong focus as far as i'm concerned because there's way too much cannabis being produced yeah. and what we should really be focusing on is the research to prove the efficacy of what, what this plant is doing or if you're talking about specific cannabinoids actually developing a body of of evidence to show that it does this for specific conditions rather than this kind of very open approach of the plant it can cure everything yeah because that doesn't really convince a lot of people that are in power
1: what what do you think's exciting on the on the uh, you know we obviously were talking about the speed which is a is a frustration i think there's some other frustrations as well which we we'll may talk about as, as well but rather than stay on a sort of more negative vibe what what do you think is exciting about the plant and cannabis and the industry as a whole? And talk as broadly as you, you want on that.
0: I mean, I, I do think the research that, that, that some people are doing is, is very exciting. It's going to take a bit of time, but you know, there's some great stuff going on in Israel around to cancer research. And, and not just Israel, but lots of places, but they, they seem to be leading. So I do think there's some great research going on. I just think you know, that, that's quite a long process. Um, industrial hemp also really excites me, actually, um, and and possibly a bit more, whether it's plant protein through the seeds as well as the sort of materials. You know, it's got grey, green credentials uh, in every aspect. I think it has some PR issues similar to, to cannabis, but if you sort of make people realise it's not anything to do with the drug side of things and then also get over the sort of 1970s stigma, hippie stigma of, of, of hemp i think it becomes a lot easier to talk about and it really fits much better on the esg agenda with a lot of investors and corporates
1: it is falling away it could fall away a bit faster for my liking but do, do you feel that or do you think there's still the stigma is what's slowing it down a lot
0: yeah i think it is i think you know there's a lot of a lot of my friends really simply a lot of my friends
1: wouldn't follow my page
0: on linkedin for example the cannabis conversation because wow. they'd be worried what it looks like
1: really well wow. I mean, um, it, it's interesting you like know, when we did uh, paul rosen on the on the show at the start of this season like i remember he talked about his sort of you know from the origins of the the industry forming in canada where he was there right at the start he has his sort of dinner party analogy where at the start of his time in cannabis, he would just sort of would skirt the subject of what he does a bit like you with your parents. Uh, it was like an unsaid thing. And then by the end, when he was talking about cannabis, it was like, uh, oh, right. Well, you know, it was totally no big deal. And it's like, well, what else are you doing? He's like, well, also psychedelics. They're like, oh, right, that's interesting. So it is amazing how, because I think a lot about, you know, there isn't a blueprint for this industry, right? And the best we can do is sort of look to North America. And some of the other markets, maybe Israel, a little bit, but it really is sort of ours to define. It amazes me still that there is this stigma of a plant which grows out the ground, which can be used for so many things, which are positive for humanity and the environment. You know,
0: no, it's it's maddening, and you know, if you if you look at very, most industries, there's a, a kind of not great underbelly to it. So um, it's it, it's not. No one comes from a you know a, a very lofty place. I don't think.
1: Mm what do you think is that having a genuine industry in sort of britain for cannabis like do you think things are going to change quickly like we we talked about sort of tipping points earlier in the show i think one of your cannabis conversations with uh was focusing on the australian market and they've kind of hit that moment and obviously we're, we're way behind the us or canada to the tune of maybe eight plus years ten years but do you think we're close to like going over the edge where we can genuinely have proper job creation and brands coming through, um, and you know a proper cannabis industry rather than the one that's kind of being talked about in the media?
0: Again, I want I want to be more positive about it. I think the key to unlocking all of this is the NHS, and that needs doctors to be convinced, and that in turn needs some you know good clinical evidence to to convince doctors. Without that, patient numbers are still tight, like official patient numbers are still tiny. And that level of acceptance in society is just isn't occurring. You know, if you if you've got that happening, then people are sort of realizing that this isn't going to kill you. Um, it might do the quite the opposite. And then that opens a door for more liberalization. But at the moment it's so niche and small that that you're not really getting that. You know, in London, I'm sure there's, you know, it's it's different, but I'm sure if you go out to the countryside, you it, 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 it wouldn't have this kind of understanding of, of of what this is. So, yeah, I do think cracking the NHS is the way that this is really going to be widely adopted.
1: Yeah. Off the back of that, do you think that if that starts to happen, obviously we've got cracks in the dam at the moment, all the predictions of that sort of Europe, UK, Europe, you know, is going to be the biggest market in the next five years or so do you do you think we're going to be on track to deliver against that do you think that will actually happen or do you think that a lot of the political stuff that's going is just going to keep slowing this down
0: it's a tricky one I, I mean i i if I, if you're saying five years i don't think five years i do think potentially long term yes it could be the biggest market i think medicalized products are quite different from flour and oils and i do I wonder how that's going to evolve. Europe is just so big and varied as well. You know, I think Germany has a much more healthier approach to sort of more herbal kind of remedies, and they're probably more open to it. I don't think the UK really does, and so the methods of delivery and all these type of things are going to have to become more familiar to people because I think vaping in medicine is just so for in a concept to most people.
1: I think that's where a, a big role the brands have to play. I think at the moment you're right that a lot of what we're seeing over here is check out our facility and look at our EU GMP accreditations. And it, it's a lot of that very sterile functional stuff. Whereas I think energy should be spent on education, on helping people understand that, you know, these brands are really great companies that actually stand for something and you know that there's a way to help patients and in the end customers if we move to the adult use just really understand more about the plant how to consume it strains you know all of that stuff that's like quite complicated you know as jason Wan always says there's, there's levels to this stuff uh we both know that from being in this industry that there's some absolutely incredibly knowledgeable people and there's so much to learn and you know with the plant being in prohibition for so long you know we're still studying it and that's increasing which is great as you say but i think a lot more energy needs to really go in that educational stuff and just helping people feel much more comfortable with cannabis in their gym bag in the in the makeup cabinet in the you know in the office whatever it may be you know uh, we're obviously a way off that yet. Yeah. you know we had adam beerman on the show last week from med men and he was talking about you know when they took uh, real estate on Fifth Avenue and South Beach in Miami and uh, on Abbot Kinney and Venice Beach in LA. And the logic behind that was basically once you start to put uh, cannabis dispensaries next to Gap or Next or Foot Locker, people see them in a completely different way. And obviously, we're a bit of a way off that yet. Yeah, we've got the cookies are opening that store in Regent Street, I think. Um, and that will be interesting because that's obviously going to be, I would imagine, a CBD focused environment because there is an opportunity for them to have anything THC. That's going to start to be where I think things shake up. And I think people are spending so much energy on their facilities and their science, which is, which is obviously really important. But I think, you know, average man and woman on the street are thinking, well, I don't really care. I just want a, a product that speaks to me and, and helps me uh, live better. So yeah. um, that's that's for me. What's going to be exciting, putting my brand head on as we we, we move forward, uh, as something which I'm I'm looking forward to to sort of seeing how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, education is is very very key and getting people to understand it. I'm not sure if I really necessarily think the American model is great. I don't think it. I haven't been there, so I'll, I you know I must confess that. But from what, everything I see, I think that all the recreational adult use products are very skewed to this high THC model and I just it feels as like a lack of sophistication there and yeah on LinkedIn I'll hear lots of people within the industry sort of decrying it but clearly the the demand is there and 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 everyone's going for that and it feels just a very narrow focus and it's it's maybe it's a legacy of prohibition and people want more bang for their buck, but it's, you know, who, who the hell buys their booze because it's got a higher alcohol content.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's definitely a, a changing, um, the form factors and the quantities, you know, I, I spoke to Maggie Connors at Basito, which is a nice, a really cool brand in, in California. And she, she started off her company, the sort of pre-rolls and they were kind of, not that strong uh, aimed at a slightly different experience and all the dispensers, like you're mad, like you're more expensive and you're not as potent and everyone wants cheap and potent. So there, there has been that sort of trend, but I I do think we're starting to emerge into, you know, different form factors and more kind of microdose levels of cannabinoids, which can allow people to feel maybe more relaxed or less anxious or just get that sort of,
0: Or maybe giggle, maybe, you know, like enjoy music or whatever it is on a more subtle level than just being, yeah, yeah, exactly. Loads of like crisps and yeah, munchy, Um, munchy fest. On a a serious level, though, I do worry that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have Ethan Russo on the show talking about cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, which has been strongly linked to very high thc products which is effectively people are getting sick because of it Mm -hmm. and if you think about it the plant naturally land races never produced thc anywhere near the levels that they're they've been bred to now so you're effectively really kind of mutating the plant to probably be producing stuff that is really unnatural to it so Mm -hmm. if we talk about it being a plant and it's all natural i wonder whether a 28 30 thc plant is in any way natural because it's yes. sort of really bursting it's been it over this... engineered yeah exactly so and and I, I think there'll probably be issues that come off the back of it and i hope no one suffers too much but equally i hope it, the industry doesn't suffer as a consequence
1: yeah it's just, just touching on ethan there like um Favourite guests so far from how many shows are you at now, Nuj? Oh 350? Uh,
0: 156, I think, as of yesterday. Yeah, my three <laughs> the, the three favorite shows are Rachel Knox, Dr. Rachel. They're all scientists. So Dr. Rachel Knox, Dr. Ethan Russo, and Professor Raphael mashulam you know, all sort of trailblazers in their own ways rachel's episode is now up to sort of ten thousand views on on youtube wow. which for a small podcast like mine is is a great number yeah. and um what she and,
1: focuses on in that show
0: so it, it's about the endocannabinoid system Is she just yeah. she just i mean she explains it in such a nice way and mm-hmm. and it's a really nice way of talking about the whole plant as well in that you might have specific cannabinoids that are maybe doing the the real work so for example CBD or THC they bind to the receptor but all of the other parts of the plant work do their own little bits of magic in breaking it down as soon as it's used its effect uh, and they get it out your system in the most sort of efficient way and I love that Mm. as a kind of real great metaphor for how the entourage effect works and so, yeah, no, that kind of I can kind of understand why that's the that's one of the most popular
1: ones. Yeah, and the other t- the other two you've had them on a couple of times, haven't you?
0: So Ethan and and, and um, Professor Mushinum, yeah, I've had them on a couple of times. Um, yeah, just so knowledgeable, you know, and mm. so well respected, and it's always humbling to be speaking to people that have sort of just been studying this for for so long and have been so yeah. instrumental in in really kind of elevating this.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. Last couple of questions, Anuj, Um, or we, we can kind of just maybe roll it all into one, which is I'm giving you the uh, the glow crystal ball. What what do you what do you think of the exciting developments that are coming forward, and maybe like wrap it up with some of your own hopes for the industry as well. So kind of two two parts to the to the future. <laughs> um, I mean, look, generally, I think you know I'm not going to go into
0: specifics. My hopes are more around. Just less stigma around this plant. I mean, anyone that's sort of read the history of drug prohibition as, as a wider topic, but specifically cannabis, knows the roots are inherently people control, racism, and just general unfairness, um, and and sort of protection of vested interests. So I think we really need to challenge all of these things um, and in relation to some of the things that we widely tolerate, like alcohol, for example, and don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of alcohol too. But, you know, we, we recognize that, that things like that have a positive and a negative, and we should definitely have that approach to, to cannabis. So I look, I look forward to, to less stigma, which I think can be brought around by a, a sort of more wider acceptance of plant medicine. And I think this is a real challenge to the Western pharmaceutical engineered medical system that we work within um those are really tight frameworks really tight standards for evaluation which do undoubtedly favor synthetic drugs that are kind of mass-produced and and again i i think we need to have a healthier respect for for plants and their role in the history of medicine um so Mm. again i hope that comes to the fore. And I think that people are starting to, to feel that a lot more, mm. um, the general trend towards natural products and, you know, uh, whether they be kind of uh, ingestible or not. I, I, I keep banging on about it, but more research definitely, I think will, will certainly help to dispel myths because once you've got sort of leading academics and doctors talking about these things, that really gives everyone else a bit more confidence to also start having these views. And then finally, again, yeah, I think the, 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 the point I made earlier and um, we don't live in an adult use market, so this is all kind of sort of slightly uh, vicarious, but more sophistication. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think on the adult use side, I would like it to kind of develop into much more of a wine market in that respect, yeah. you know, are many different wines that do different things for different occasions Mm. it isn't about just getting heavily drunk Mm. and i think when you start to add these things that will actually also expand the market because you'll get the sort of light beer version of cannabis Mm. that lets you know young young guys and young women who probably weren't interested in it that's a, a kind of entrance to them to have a look at this yeah. and, uh, and maybe have an alternative experience to drinking and, and all the rest of it, rather than you got, lots of people are put off by in the UK, by, you know, what is sort of uh, colloquially known as skunk, because they've just seen it basically knock people out. And, mm. and they're like, I don't want to go anywhere near that. That doesn't look appealing in any way. Mm. And I can understand that. But the, the reality is there's so much more to this plant than that very yeah. small window and so the sophistication i look forward to where there's just a number
1: of different products that do sort of different things different occasions and and you can get involved in different yeah. ways yeah i think the sooner we can get to that the better for everyone really I think that'd be great and there's just i've got a couple of last questions just just more back back to you and on everything you're doing i know you've been broadening out from just the podcast with canvas and uh some other strings to the to the bow like tell me about what you're doing with that and what you're kind of focusing on for the next sort of 12 months?
0: So, I, you know, I still work as a lawyer and I represent a, a very variety of cannabis companies. Uh, biggest clients, probably Columbia Care, who, you know, I think are the leading MSO in the US in terms of how they're going about stuff. Um, I really like what they're doing. So, you know, I still act as a lawyer for, for some of these companies. So that's, I guess, the bread and butter. Uh, alongside that, we do some strategic consultancy. So we're basically helping companies expand into Europe and um working with you know more north american companies that are sort of looking at things on this side of the pond whether it be raising investment or sort of more strategic work so those are the two main bits of focus yeah continuing with the podcast and 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 mm-hmm. actually I've, I've done a few more panels recently and i actually really enjoy those um yeah, nice. so more of those.
1: what what who who are the who are the wish list guests that you're trying to get on then <laughs> <laughs> you can make uh, them a complete fantasy because you know if they come off then you you know you're a genius and if they don't it's just a fantasy
0: yeah uh i really wanted to 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 get be real on the show yeah you know, well, that'd be amazing i'm a teenager of the 90s so uh same like Brazil would definitely yeah sum it all up for me um have you, tr- so have you
1: tried have you got clothes I've
0: tr- i don't think i could afford his fees it's oh man really pretty punchy uh, but maybe, maybe. Let's see. I've, I've spoken yeah. to these people a couple of times, so let's see. But yeah, that would be cool. Seth Rogen would be a good one, I think. Yeah. Um, on the on a kind of celebrity tip, but yeah. everyone else is, you know, I, it, I've been quite lucky in in, in getting the people that I've got, and I feel I've got a, a good spread of people. So um, I might revisit some, of the, some yeah. of the. guests. I should get Rachel on again. Actually, I think.
1: That'd yeah, be that'd be cool. Well, Anuj, as I say, like, I think just from from us at Glow and from, you know, many people in the industry, I think your show and everything you're doing plays a really, really important role. I mean, obviously, there's a whole spectrum of cannabis content and opinion out there, ranging from, you know, Simpa stuff more on one end and Mary Biles very focused on the patients. But I think from your perspective, delivering what you do on a weekly basis with so much high quality content on that kind of the business of cannabis think it's invaluable as this industry grows and you know i think you did take an incredible gamble those years back and you know you've stuck with it and um you know we always enjoy listening and as i say it's the the comforting voice after those first first jingles on the on the show that always gets me so keep doing what you're doing and we really appreciate you coming on the show and i'm sure i'll see you soon appreciate it sorry thank you mate Such a legend, isn't he? One of the nicest men you will meet in cannabis or any industry for that matter. I always find it fascinating to talk to Inej because he covers so much ground on the cannabis conversation uh, across such a mix of topics with such colorful guests that he always has an anecdote or 10 up his sleeve, which hopefully came through in that discussion. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear from him again soon. And fingers crossed he gets that elusive interview with be real from cypress hill so over the next couple of shows we're keeping things focused on the uk and europe with some of the most influential leaders in cannabis uh, coming up we're going to have uh, the wonderful hannah deacon professor mike barnes dr leon baron i mean the knowledge among those three alone could power the next 10 glow show episodes so there's going to be a hell of a lot to pack in uh all i can ask is that i hope that you'll all join me Uh, But in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you in the future. The Glow Show.
0: We believe in the power of cannabis.